Redemptive Church in Zion, Illinois. Welcome to our podcast. I pray you'll be blessed by a fresh word from God every time you tune in. Heavenly Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you will have your way in this place even as you've already begun to move, God. I thank you. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for giving us minstrels and tools in order to set the atmosphere and the environment that will be conducive for you to show up and do miracles, signs, and wonders. So God, right now, I pray that this body of believers, your sons and your daughters, would stand here in expectation that you will do something miraculous in their life. I pray that you would activate their faith I pray that you would help them to believe again. Some of them have lost the ability to believe. Some of them have lost their ability to hope. So God, I pray that you would do only what you can do through the word. Use me for your glory. I decrease so that you may increase. Speak through me. God, make me another man. So that I may minister with power, authority, wisdom, insight, under your anointing. Let someone's life be changed. Let someone's life be transformed. Let many people leave here and never be the same. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. What I want you to do is grab your Bibles before you take your seats. Grab your Bibles. Grab your Bibles. I see the phones have already been brought out by the young people. Phones have already been brought out by the young folks. I see some paper Bibles. Come on. Yeah, I didn't got I didn't went back to my paper Bible. I still use my device. But it's something about highlighting and writing and circling things. I can't do that on my iPad. They don't have that ability yet. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 14. We're going to read verses 13 and 14. I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. The video team will have the New King James Version, on the screens. When you got to say, I got it. Y'all ready? Let's read this together. Ready? Read. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude And he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. You may have your seats. I was exciting. I was exhorting when I was before you all last Sunday before we sang. And I began to tell this this particular passage where Jesus, after the slaughtering of John the Baptist, Jesus left to go to a desolate place or a deserted place or an isolated place. And every time Jesus would go 
to these desolate places, these deserted places, these isolated places, something interesting would happen. A bunch of folks would follow him. And I, want, I don't want you to just brush past that. Multitudes of people would follow Jesus. Multitude would be like all of us in this room deciding to follow Jesus into the middle of the Sahara Desert. Jesus would go to desolate places. Something similar to what John the Baptist would do before he began his ministry. He would go and isolate himself and he would get before the presence of God. Jesus would do the same thing. I believe it's in Isaiah. The Bible says that out of the voice, there will be a voice in the wilderness crying out. That was John the Baptist. But Jesus would also do the same thing. But as Jesus is trying to get some seclusion, some isolation to spend time with God, to, to build himself back up in the Lord, in the word, to fast and to pray, people will follow him. People that obviously needed something that Jesus had. And it says, but when the multitudes heard it, so they found out somehow, y'all know Jesus, he about to leave. Y'all better listen. If you want what you want, you better go. And so they would gather together and they followed him on foot. On foot. Somebody say on foot. From the cities. So this is multiple cities, not just one city. Multiple cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion. I want you to underline that. Jesus was moved with compassion for them. And he healed their sick. Verse 15 says, when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, when it was evening. So Matthew doesn't necessarily say right here, but it's been said that Jesus, when he saw the multitudes, he didn't just heal the sick, but he began teaching them. He began preaching to them. He began to minister to them. Jesus, as he's trying to get away, ends up having to do ministry. And he was moved with compassion. Watch what the disciples do. Then the disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already getting late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves some food. Because Jesus was moved with compassion, he's probably already knowing these kind of people don't really have the resources to go buy food in the villages. This is why they came to me. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Jesus was doing two things. Jesus was letting us know that we never need to leave the presence of God. We never, leave, we never need to leave the presence of God. And then he's telling the disciples, why don't you do, why aren't you moved with compassion the way I am? And they said to him, well, we only have five loaves and two fish. This is the part 
of the passage where we talk about, oh, Jesus did something miraculous and he fed 5,000 with two. You know, we, we say this all the time, but we forget the first miracle was that he healed their sick. They had an expectation while they were making their rounds to go find Jesus on foot that they were going to be healed. They didn't necessarily know if they were going to be fed, but they just said, listen, we got to find Jesus because we've already heard about the miraculous things that he's already done. So because of Jesus track record, they said, let's go find him because he got something that I need. We only have five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down in the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven. He blessed it and broke it. He gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled. All of the people that showed up ate and was full. (laughs) That's incredible to me. Now, those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So the first point I want to talk about, I didn't tell you our title. Our title is I'm expecting. (laughs) I'm expecting. Yeah, that's the title. It's simple. I'm expecting. Look at your neighbor. Say neighbor. I know it don't look like it, but I'm expecting. Come on, turn to the other person. Say neighbor. I know it don't look like it, but I'm expecting. Yeah, I'm, I'm expecting. I'm expecting. I'm, I'm expecting. I'm expecting. One of the first things I want us to note is that desperation mixed with Jesus' compassion will cause him to move. When we sing songs like, we're hungry, we're thirsty for you, we need you. We're desperately waiting for you. Some of us sing that, but we don't really know what we're saying. When you're desperate, You look desperate. Uh Uh-oh. (laughs) Uh-oh. You know, I have a little dog. She's a Maltese Yorkie. And it's interesting because she understands smells and she can see different things. So she knows if I come in the house with a Chick-fil-A bag, she's going crazy because she knows I'm going to give her some. But I'm going to eat my food first. I'm going to eat my food first, and then I'm going to give her the remnants of whatever may have fell in the bag or whatever. And she will sit there. This is like, it trips me out. She will be on her best behavior, but she'll sit there, and she'll just stand and just look. I'm like, oh, you're being good today. Because she's desperately waiting. She's anticipating She's expecting my owner, he going to give me some of this food. 
And I want you to know that some of us, we need to have the same attitude that when we step into this church, I'm, I'm standing at attention. My tail is wagging, but I, I'm, I'm, I want to jump. And sometimes she'll stand up and say, sit. She'll sit. But she, her eyes, she, she, she twitching, she jerking because she's anticipating me dropping a blessing in her life. And when you're in expectation, some of y'all, you can't wait. You, 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 you're excited. You may be shaking. Your heart may be pumping. Like last night when I was studying even the more, I'm like, God, I can't even go to sleep because I'm, I'm excited. I'm anticipating that God is going to do something miraculous in this church. And, 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 and we have moved past the point of expecting great things to happen in the house of God. This is why I believe God wants me to minister this message because you come here and, and you don't expect nothing to happen. You come here with a limp and you leave with your limp. When I come into the house of God, I expect to leave different than the way I came. Getting ahead of myself. If I had the, the whiteboard like Bishop did a couple weeks ago, I would draw compassion plus expectation and desperation equals miracles. Jesus was moved with compassion because he saw their faith. Nothing moves God like faith. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. And I never like decided to like break it down the way that I did. So then I looked up the word substance. And substance is a literal tangible thing. There may be a uh, when this water bottle leaves the refrigerator, there is a liquid like substance that rests on the outside of the bottle called condensation. It is a substance. You can touch it. You can feel it. When you, when you grab the water bottle and it's, and it's wet on the outside, it gets on your hands. There is a substance. This, this water bottle is a substance. So substance is tangible. So faith is the substance. It is the tangible thing. <laughs> faith is the substance of things hoped for. I don't need, like that already preached. And the evidence, how can you have evidence for something that you can't see yet? Because if I have faith enough to believe for it, I already have the evidence. I just have to unlock it in the spirit realm. But our faith is the currency of the kingdom. So when I put my currency into the kingdom, that thing in which I hoped for now becomes made manifest in the earthly realm. Y'all are quiet. Let me go to Matthew uh, chapter 14, and then we're going to read uh, uh, 34 through 36. So we have the multitudes following Jesus because they expected to be healed when they saw him. And because they expected to be healed, they also saw another miracle, which is them being fed 5,000, 
5,000. They got fed. Another miracle happens in between all of this. And that's Peter walking on, I mean, yeah, walking on the water. Then we fast forward down to verse 34. And I'm going to read some Bible. Is that okay? Matthew chapter 14, verse 34. If you're following me with your Bibles, I still want to hear pages turning. <laughs> Matthew 14, 34. When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Genesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, When the men of that place recognized him, they took action. They sent out into all that surrounding region, brought to him all who were sick, and begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. Watch what happens. And as many as touched it were made perfectly well. The men of this particular region had an understanding of who Jesus was. And so they didn't do like some of us do. Oh, I'm keeping this blessing. Man, I got Jesus all to myself. Jesus, let me talk to you. I got this business proposition. No, they didn't do that. They told everyone they knew in the surrounding, listen. Go get your cousin, go get your nephew, anybody, anyone who is sick among you, go get them. They said, Jesus, you don't even got to lay hands on us if we could just if we could just get all of them to touch you. But here's the thing. The people that were sick had to believe that if they just touched them, they will be healed. Some of y'all want people to lay hands on you. You want somebody to throw seven bottles of oil on you instead of expecting if I can just get in the presence of God, my body will be made whole. My mind will be renewed. All I need is to just be in the vicinity of Jesus. Their expectation and their desperation led to them getting a miracle. 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 I'm, I'm believing God for miracles. I'm, I'm believing God for supernatural miracles. Some stuff ain't going to happen at the doctor's office. I'm preaching to myself. Some stuff ain't going to happen by way of science. Don't get mad at me. Some things can only happen when you get desperate enough to believe that God, uh, God, you're the only one that can do this. God, you the, you're the only one that can, God, listen. And some of you, you said, you I may have tried everything else. I may have tried all the different formulas. I read all the books. I looked up all the recipes. I looked up all the homemade remedies. But listen, you need to get into the spiritual remedy, which is Jesus the Christ. Jesus and his anointing. Jesus the anointed one. If you could just get in front of the anointed one, miracles, signs, and wonders 
follow those who believe. Got a couple more examples for you. If you turn with me in Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, verse 40 through 54. We're going to read some Bible because, I mean, that's, that's why we come here. I don't come here to give you my opinion. God didn't call me to tell you what I think. <laughs> Luke chapter 8. I heard, I heard the pages. And I saw the, the thumbs. All right. Luke chapter 8, verse 40. Y'all ready? I, I, stay with me now. So when it was, Jesus returned. Here we go again. And the multitude welcomed him. For they were all waiting for him. <laughs> and behold... There came a man named Jairus. Somebody say Jairus. And he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter who was about 12 years of age. Somebody say 12. And she was dying. Desperation caused this man of God to fall at Jesus' feet and beg. And this particular day, they had special garb that they wore. So they looked. Uh-oh. Some of, some of y'all... Uh, Facebook prophets and things of that sort. They look like they got something going on. But they have no power. Um, I just had to get that out. But Jairus came and he looked. He looked like a man of God. And you have to believe that the multitudes are looking at Jairus like, bro, what are you doing? But something meant so much to him that he was willing to get down and dirty on his knees in front of thousands of people to beg Jesus for healing for his only daughter, who was how old? But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. Now, a woman having a flow of blood for how long? had spent all her livelihood, somebody say money, money. cheddar, cheddar. Bread. bread, stacks, stacks. Cash. cash, Bitcoin. Bitcoin. She had no Bitcoin. <laughs> she had no Bitcoin. She may have had some coins, but she didn't have no Bitcoin. She spent all her money on physicians and could not be healed by any. And such were some of you. And came from behind and touched the border of his garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped. Somebody say immediately. 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 And Jesus said, who touched me? Touched 
touched me. When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, listen, it's a whole bunch of folks out here. It's plenty people out here. Jesus, like, what are you talking about? Who touched you? <laughs> That's like you going, some of y'all went to the concert last night. I ain't going to say who it was. Some of y'all was there. <laughs> y'all wanted to see y'all boys to see if they still had it with their red hats on. And uh, you, you may have bumped into a couple people because there, there were multitudes of people at the concert. And if someone may have bumped you, me, because, you know, sometimes I be a little ratchet. I'm like, bro, like, watch where you're going. But other times when I know I'm around a bunch of people and there's no space to move, either left, right, back, forward, it's just, well, this is what happens when you're in a crowd of people. So the disciples tell them, Jesus, it's a bunch of people. What are you talking about? Who touched you? Jesus said this. Who touched me? But Jesus says, somebody touched me for I perceived power going out from me. Now, when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason that she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. Now, something you need to understand is that this woman that had the issue of blood in this particular day, she shouldn't have even been in the public. But because she heard of a man whose reputation preceded him, she said, if, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, the thing that I've spent all my money on, the, the people that I consulted in who couldn't help me, uh, the, the people who were supposed to have the resources and the answers and the science, they couldn't help me. And so guess what? I got to use what's in my hand to get what I need from Jesus. And so she was desperate enough in her shame to follow Jesus in a multitude of people that could have did all kind of crazy stuff to her. She said, if I can just touch Jesus, I can be made whole. Because of her expectation and her desperation, it left room for what? A miracle. And then he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer for your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your faith, your expectation, your desperation made you well. Watch this. While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house. Y'all thought we forgot about Jairus, didn't you? Saying to him, Jairus, your daughter is dead. Don't, don't trouble Jesus. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, do not be afraid, only believe and she will be made well. So when he came to the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James and John and the father and mother of the girl. 
Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, do not weep. She ain't dead. She just sleep. And they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. This is the beautiful thing about Jesus. Jesus can see a situation and see life while you see death. Other people around you are seeing death. This is why you got to get yourself around some people that can see life in deathly situations and say, uh-uh, no. You got to get around some prayer warriors. You got to get around some people that believe the way you believe. You got to get around some people that have that just, that just, that just you know, that, that attitude about them. Like, no, we're not about to let this go down. You got to get around some people that believe like you believe. So you don't get in your feelings and out of faith. Because if you look at situations with your natural eyes, you'll get in your feelings and neglect your faith. The very thing that got you to this point was your faith and your desperation. So I didn't come this far just to see my daughter die. They ridiculed him. But he put them all outside. Jesus put the folks out. Took her by the hand, calling. Little girl, arise. The Bible says, then her spirit returned and she arose. Somebody say, immediately. And he commanded that she be given something to eat. And her parents were astonished. But he charged them to tell no one what happened. Many scholars like to call this particular part of the text a Markin sandwich. A Markin sandwich. Because you have a story, or you have someone who interjects at point A1, and then there's someone that comes in and makes you take your mind off the original port, which is part, which is Jairus. The woman with the issue of blood, she steps in, she interjects. And then after she interjects and her situation is uh, 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 resolved, then they go back to the part of the story that was the original intent of the story. So you have to, <laughs> you have to read, this is so good to me, you have to read the Bible and be able to see the miracles within the miracles. You have to look at the, at the text and say, oh, this is a precursor for a miracle. Oh, this, this is a setup for something else that's about to happen. Oh, so you can't be discouraged when you see your brother and sister get a miracle because if we serve the same God, I, uh, you, you can say this is a marking sandwich. I know if God did it for you, it's, it's only a matter of time. What time is it? You know what? I'm going to just wait because in a minute. But don't but don't be afraid to interject. God, I saw what you did for her. <laughs> God likes to be reminded of the miracles that he's already done. God, if you did it before, you can do it again. If he did it before, he can do it again. One, two, one, two. If he did it before, he can do it again. Jairus could have easily been distraught. Like, woman, what you, you did, you interjecting my situation right here. But there was a miracle Within a miracle. 
The woman with the issue of blood had been dealing with her issue for how long? Jairus' daughter was how old? Y'all think that's an accident? Miracles on miracles. The number 12. Jesus had how many disciples? There were 12 tribes. 12 is the number of order and government. When God does things, he does it well. He does things on purpose for purpose. So nothing happens in our lives by accident. I know that's tough for some of us to believe, even the bad things. For we know that all things, if we don't believe that, maybe this isn't the faith for you. For we know that all things work together for of who? Who? And what? Come on. Say it like you know it. How many things work together? How many? That situation with the little girl was just another opportunity for God to show them that he's God. That situation with the woman that had been dealing with the issue of blood for 12 years was just another opportunity for God to show who he is. Turn with me to Acts chapter 3. We're almost done. Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, there's a wonderful story about a man who was at the gate called Beautiful. He was at the gate called Beautiful. This was a young man who had been dependent his entire life. He had been dependent upon other people his entire life. But he had some good people around him because guess what? the people around him would do. They would carry him and place him in front of the beautiful gate. Because at this particular time, I'll read it. It says, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. In, our, in today's time, will be around 3 p.m. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried whom they laid daily, somebody say daily, daily, at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. So he's laying in front of the temple at the Beautiful Gate, asking the prayer warriors. He's begging the prayer warriors. Listen, come on, man. I, I know you see me. I know you see me, dog. Come on, man. We've been downtown. We know. Come on, help me. Don't you, don't you see my situation? Don't you see that I've been here every single day for as long as I can remember? Fixing his eyes on him. 
with John, Peter said, look at us. Watch this. So he gave them his attention. Somebody say he gave them his attention. What does the next word say? Expecting to receive something from them. See, even in your expectation, if you're expecting one thing, when you get in front of the right people, God may bless you with something totally different. He was expecting money. They said, silver and gold, I don't have. But what I do have, <laughs> Peter said, silver and gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk and he took him by the right hand and he lifted him up and immediately somebody say immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength he was looking for money he left healed because he got in front of the right people at the right place at the right time his life was changed forever. Now watch this. His feet and his ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them. Some of y'all get delivered and you forgot who delivered you. He said, I, I, listen, y'all going into the temple? I got these new legs. Doc. I'm about to see how they work. Come on, let's go. Oh, oh, oh these... And these things work pretty good. And he entered the temple with them. Watch what happens next. And he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew, oh, that's the brother that been in front of the beautiful gate for the last however long. Oh, that's him? He's been standing and waiting in anticipation for a miraculous move of God. His desperation and his expectation created room for a miracle. Proverbs 23, 18 in the Amplified Version says this, Surely... There is a future and a reward, and your hope and expectation will not be cut off. For surely, there is a future and a reward, and your hope and expectation will not be cut off. Lift your hands right now. Lift your hands. Close your eyes. Repeat after me. Say, surely, surely. There, is a future there is a future and a reward. And, a reward. and my, expectation my expectation will not be cut off. My expectation will not be cut off. God, you said it in your word. That healing is the children's bread. God, you said in your word that I am a lender and not a borrower. God, you said in your word that I can be healed and whole. God, you said in your word. You have to remind God. You got to get desperate. 
But your desperation and your expectation need to be at a level where you can move Jesus to compassion. Is your faith moving God? Are you really desperate? Or do you just talk about it? Do you really believe Jesus is who he says he is? Do you really believe you're the God of miracles, signs and wonders? Do you really believe that he's still doing miracles? Do you really believe? Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. There's a man by the name of Bartimaeus. But his situation is what people labeled him by. People labeled him by his condition. Oh, they go blind Bartimaeus. Bible says, as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, there it is again, a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Watch what happens. Then many warned him to be quiet. They told him, be quiet, bruh. Dude, you know how many people out here? He can't even hear you. It's funny. The cry of the desperate pierces the sounds of everyone else. When you're desperate enough, people can hear. You may live in a high-rise apartment and you can just hear someone screaming because the cry of the desperate pierce the ears of the compassionate. He didn't didn't allow what they said to him, stop him from doing what he was doing. So guess what? The Bible says that he cried all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. He got more desperate than he already was. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Now he couldn't see, but I imagine... Blind Bartimaeus, he used to folks talking about him. This is how I would have said it. Yeah, y'all was talking crazy. But I'm on my way to see Jesus. I can't see him yet, but when I see him, I'm going to see him. When you're about to see Jesus, you can get a little confident. (laughs) I will remain confident in this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I'm on my way to see Jesus, so I know something good is about to happen. I need y'all to start getting excited when you walk into the church building. Something good is about to happen. I don't know about you, but something good is about 
to happen. Saturday night, I'm standing in expectation that something good is about to happen. Even on Thursday night when we have in choir rehearsal and we begin to sing the songs, I can already picture and imagine and I'm standing in expectation that something good is about to happen. Another, another biblical nerd piece of information that you should know is not only was Bartimaeus labeled by his condition, the government gave him a piece of clothing that he had to wear so that people could understand he's a beggar. This is why this part of the scripture is so important. And throwing aside his garment, I'm taking off the labels of the people that have allowed me to stay in this condition. I'm taking the labels off and I'm casting it aside because I'm about to see Jesus and he's about to change my situation. He's about to change my name. He's about to change my character. He's about to change my identity. Verse 50, and throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? I think we already can conclude that Jesus knew what he needed. But sometimes you got to say out of your mouth what you want. You, you got to say out of your mouth what you want. When you come into the house of God and you come to the altar for, for prayer or for healing, or for we don't know what's happening. You have to come and open up your mouth. You have to, the Bible says, ask and it shall be given. Knock and the door will be open. Seek and you will find. Open up your mouth and tell Jesus what it is that you want from him. The blind man said to him, <laughs> Raboni, Rabboni, Raboni, come on now, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way, for your faith has made you well. Here's that word again. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. I'm standing in expectation. I'm standing in expectation that God is going to meet me where I am because of my desperation and my anticipation. In Luke chapter 3 verse 15, it's talking about how John the Baptist had, had, had began ministering to the people and because John the Baptist had such a... a a, a reputation in the land and in the town. He was doing miracles. He was laying on of hands. He was causing the blind to see and the lame to walk and all these other things. He was baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and people were like, man, could this, could this be the Messiah? And the Bible says that they stood in expectation to see if he was really the Messiah. Another translation, I believe, is the English, uh, uh, English Bible, not the ESV, but the English Bible says, and they stood on their tiptoes in anticipation to see if he was really the Messiah. 
Some of y'all got to get to the point where you standing on your tippy toes like a little kid. Can, can I get that? Can I, can I have this? Can I go there? Jesus, can you heal me? Jesus, can you set me free? Jesus, can you, can you heal my mind? Can you heal my body? Jesus, Jesus, I'm standing in expectation and anticipation because I desperately need you to move in my life. Stand to your feet. All of these examples are people who were desperate for a move of God. They were desperate for something good to happen in their lives. They were desperate. They had an expectation. Somebody say, I'm expecting. And you know, another example is, is Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mother. She, she was... Her and her husband, Zachariah, they were visited by the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord said, you're going to have a baby. And he said, man, stop. I'm too old. Yeah, my time, the time for that is seasons of a man's life. Man, you hear Bishop Logan preach that, man, that's, 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 that's gone. Angel of the Lord said, no, you, you, you should go ahead and talk to your wife. <laughs> just go ahead and just, you know. Kind of let her know what's about to go down for the next, next nine months. About to be a little different, you know, for y'all. I, you know, it's interesting because when you're young, you know, you can, you can just kind of shift on last minute changes and things. But when you get old, like your expectation kind of changes a little bit. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I know that sounds good. You know, I know your heart is right, angel of the Lord. And, but uh, yeah, man, look at me. I'm old. All right. <laughs> it ain't happening. And Elizabeth begins to get pregnant and, and she's expecting. And then when she gets around her cousin, somebody say her kinfolk. She's around Mary, the mother of Jesus. Another supernatural birth. See, there's a miracle before the miracle. She gets around Jesus. I call these divine connections. And she gets around Mary. And, and because Elizabeth is expecting and Mary is expecting, their expectation combined, the babies in the womb begin to leap. And so what I want you to do over the rest of your life is to surround yourself with people who are expecting just like you. For those of you that have children you know what it's like you know you have your shower and you like girl you get your pregnant sisters together and y'all go out and get coffee and y'all do y'all little walks because you're expecting and so things in your life change and because you're expecting you have anticipation it's cute at first but then eventually you like you ready to get this baby out so you walk different and then because you're expecting and you're anticipating you you have expectation anticipation and then there's preparation you got to prepare for that baby to come because you can't just have a baby and you don't have no plan for what the baby's gonna do when they get here nowhere for the baby to stay nowhere for the baby to sleep nowhere nothing for the baby to eat you don't have diapers you don't have clothes and so you get around people who have a level of expectation that you do right and because you're expecting you're anticipating you're around some people who are like you. So y'all go on your walks and you, you, girl, yeah, we almost there. And I saw a TikTok video. This lady, she was pregnant 
and she was saved and and she was past her due date and she she just began to thank God she said oh God oh Jesus because she was experiencing pain from the contractions of the baby that she's anticipating coming and so you have to surround yourself with people that can talk you through what to do while you're expecting get around some people who have the same level of faith that you do while you're expecting surround yourself with people who ain't gonna tell you man shut up Bartimaeus don't you know Jesus can't hear you listen I'm expecting <laughs> I'm expecting I'm expecting and so I need to surround myself with people who are also expecting so if you see me come into the house of the Lord and you see me excited don't don't try to put off my expectation because you don't expect the way I do join in in my expectation because if he do it for me he'll do it for you if he'll do it for me he'll do it for you it's just a precursor for your miracle be excited for me that I'm expecting because guess what if you wait in anticipation long enough it's going to happen for you so our expectation desperation move God to compassion and our faith makes way for God to do a miracle I'm believing God for some crazy things but I'm standing in anticipation that God will perform God will do Fred Hammond song said God will do what he said he's going to do he will stand by his word he is faithful to see his word at work in your life you just got to continue to be in anticipation even when things don't look like they're going your way. Come on, Bishop. Come on. Don't stand right there. Don't, don't stand behind <laughs> me, preacher. Listen. Let me say this to you. Don't, don't clap, please. Just lift your hands. Just please place yourself in a position of surrender so you can receive. While Pastor Campbell was, was ministering and I was thinking about scripture and ministry and the miracles I've seen in various places of the world and even in this country and what we all pray is that God would be God in our midst and when you hear a message like this you want miracles to happen for you and that's good and I asked the Lord I said Lord so what, what is one of the challenges and Holy Ghost said this when, when during Jesus day during Jesus' day, the people were desperate because they were under Roman occupation. They were beat down. <clears throat> they were oppressed. They had few options. The government wouldn't help them. They had to depend on another source. When the government won't help you, when you can't depend on the government, when you can't depend on society to do what it says it's going to do, when you can't depend on the Constitution to apply to your life, all they had was Jesus. 
The reason some of us aren't seeing miracles, you got too many options. You got too many options. You're not desperate enough. When you run out of options, you become desperate. And that's when you look to your God to be God. Everybody bow your heads, please, right now. I'm sure that not everyone in here is desperate. But let me say it this way. Some are desperate for physical healings. Others are desperate for family miracles. I want you to understand on some level, every one of us should be desperate. On some level, every one of us should realize there are no other options but God moving right now. And if you can get that in your head and in your heart and you can truly say that, God, if you don't do this for me, it cannot be done. I am desperate for you to move in my life. I need a miracle on some level. It may be emotional. I want you to kneel down where you are or come to the altar right now. And I want you to open your mouth like the preacher said. I want you to you to act out your desperation. I can't, we can't, the preacher can't be desperate for you. We can preach what desperation is. We can give you the revelation of the level of desperation you may currently have, but we cannot be desperate for you. I cannot make miracles happen for you. I can just put you in the right atmosphere and give you the right mentality and give you all the tools that are necessary for you to get God to move for you. I pray, we pray in the name of Jesus as this word has gone forth that God would see your desperation, that God would see how desperate you are, that there are no other options for you at this particular time. And you need God to show up in your life like you have never needed him before. You need to also recognize that as the pandemic wanes, you are strong. You made it past these 24 months. It tried to kill you as it killed other people and loved ones, but you're still here. By the grace of God, there is purpose and destiny in your life. And this morning, Pastor Cam, by the anointing of the Lord in the word of God, is pulling it out. The atmosphere is set. The atmosphere, the atmosphere is changing now. It's a song we used to sing. You remember that song? Y'all know that song? We're going to do our best because the atmosphere is here. The spirit of the Lord is here. The atmosphere has changed. You're no longer hopeless. Hope has filled the atmosphere. Anything is possible now. To them that believe. So Father today. We are gathered. Like the man of God just said. We're all pregnant. We're all walking around uncomfortable. We are in the perfect environment. To encourage one another. To see us bring forth. What we're carrying. Thank you Pastor Cam. Yes God. 
The atmosphere is changing now. Hallelujah. For the Spirit of the Lord is here. Hallelujah. The evidence is all around. The evidence is all around. Because the Spirit of the Lord is here. I know it's been said that the atmosphere of expectation is the breeding ground for miracles. You have to set the atmosphere. You have to set the atmosphere in your home. You have to set the atmosphere in your life. You have to set the atmosphere in your vehicle, whether you may be on your way to work, whether you may be praying for someone, whether you may be taking your child, picking your child up from school. You have to set the atmosphere of expectation that God, I know whatever I'm believing is going to happen because I'm setting the atmosphere of expectation. Hallelujah. The atmosphere is already set for you. I can't be more hungry for you than you are. I can't eat and satisfy the hunger that's in you. You got to want it for yourself. You got to want it for yourself. Jesus told him, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do? God, I want you to heal me. God, I want you to touch my body. God, I want you to give me peace. God, I want my joy back. I want my joy back. I want my peace back. I want my marriage back. I want the fire of God back. I want the anointing back. I want your presence back. Hallelujah. Oh, the atmosphere is changing now. For the Spirit of the Lord is here. The evidence is all around. The evidence is all around. For the Spirit of the Lord is here. Come on, keep singing that. The atmosphere is changing now. For the Spirit of the Lord. Something good is going to happen because the Spirit of the Lord is here. The evidence is all around. Spirit of the Lord is here. Sing it one more time. The atmosphere is changing now. Spirit of the Lord. The evidence, the evidence is all around. For the Spirit of the Lord is here. So Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray that your faith be activated. I pray that your faith be activated. The Bible says that Peter, when he prayed for the lame man at the beautiful gate, that God gifted him with the gift of faith. God, I pray that you activate our faith, that you give us the gift of faith, that we believe when something 
when, when we cease miracle signs and wonders we will believe that it will continually happen because you are at work in us you live you dwell on the inside of us it is not by our power it is not by our might but God it is you working in and through us to see miracles to see signs to see wonders to see things change when we begin to call on your name to see our anticipation our expectation met because you decided to show up in our midst in the middle of our troubles in the middle of our struggles in the middle of us going through God it was you it was you pulling us through so why would we believe that you won't continue to do what you've always done for us God we're desperate for you we're desperate for you we're desperate for you allow our hunger and our thirst to grow for the earth is groaning the earth is desperate for for us to stand up and be who you've called us to be why aren't we desperate enough we just saying God you are only hope you are my hope God when the doctors can't do it when the government can't do it when my mommy and daddy can't do it God you are my hope you are my hope God there's nothing else would do you are my peace God when nothing else will do you've been searching for drugs to, to meet the need that Jesus is supposed to meet in your life some of you have been doing prescription drugs you you haven't been smoking weed and doing stuff like you've been you've been trying to be slick with with how you you try to navigate the things that you're dealing with in your mind but you just need a touch from God I speak healing I speak deliverance I speak transformation I speak that God will pierce your heart and take the drugs out from your cabinets from your hiding places from where you may be stashing it in your car in your glove box God meet your children I come against the spirit of suicide in the name of Jesus thank you Jesus in the name of Jesus you will live and not die you shall live I touch your people Jesus father you are our only hope we've got it wrong God only you can do it only you can do it only you can change our situation only you can get us out of this predicament God Come against depression, anxiety. That's just been so strong in my spirit. The number one killer over the last two years was not COVID. It was drugs, fentanyl, prescription drugs. People have been overdosing on things that have been prescribed over the counter. We come against 
Pharmacos, Pharmacia, in the name of Jesus. Satan, you have no rule over God's children. Take your hands off of them right now in the name of Jesus. You've been trying to escape reality. Woo! Fresh wind blow in this place. Fire fall in this place. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Pastor Jesus. Pastor Cam, you done stirred up something. Let me tell you what the man of God again, I'm going to say it again because sometimes we need repetition. Yes, God. I am not against the medical profession. I am not against the medical profession. But what I believe has happened is we've made medicine and science option one instead of God. That's why we don't see miracles. Because I'm on, the doctor told me if after six more weeks, I'm gonna be off this anyway. I don't need to believe God because I'm on medication. I'm on, in a few weeks, I'm gonna be healed. You, you made the medicine your God. Israel didn't have that option. Remember, that young woman had that issue for 12 years, went to every physician, and didn't get any better. It took all of that time for her to remember, wait a minute, God's got to be option one in my life. Come on, lift your hands in this building. God is moving by his spirit because God is shifting your mind because God has become option three, four, and five during this pandemic and many of you people's lives out there and you watching, but God wants to be option number one. We shall have no other gods. Don't put anything in his face and say, look what this is doing for me. Get everything out of the way and say, God, I'm gonna make you option one. That's what faith is when God is option one. Now let me say this to you, and I know we gotta go, but God is moving by his spirit. Do you need a move of God in your life? Do you need a move of God in your life? This is where we come for a move of God. Hospitals are not built for a move of God even though God can move anywhere. These buildings, churches, are built and constructed specifically for a move of God. Libraries are built for books. Gymnasiums are built for athletes. But churches are built for believers. And if you're a believer today, let me encourage you to come back to the house of belief. Come back to the house of prayer. Come back to the place where miracles are more likely to happen here than anywhere in the world because we're surrounded by people with faith. Lift your hands in this building. I don't know why I got to keep asking you to do that. We never get tired of doing what we like to do. You can bowl all day and can't keep your hands lifted. You can play video games to your thumbs, but you can't keep your hands lifted. Come on, y'all. God wants to move for you. And there's nothing more that we want than God for move to, to, for, than for God to move for you. So, Father, we thank you. And I know the man of God, the young man of God, has already prayed. But we're going to make God option one now. God is option one. Don't you see what's happening in the world? We are, we are on the brink of World War III. 
you need to get back in touch with God. That's the whole thing we've been preaching since the pandemic. Rebuild the people, rebuild the temple, rebuild true worship. Because we need God like we've never needed him before. I know you got all these things on your mind. But that's why you come here for us to put other things on your mind. God things on your mind. And right now, you need to make God option one. Some of you need to begin to remove all these other false idols that you have been depending on these last 24 months. And say, God, I depend on you. I depend on you and you alone. So we, we destroy all the idols on the mountaintops, on the hills. We destroy all the idols, the things that we put before you. The things we've depended upon more than you. And this morning we repent and we give you our hearts again, 100%. We give our minds to you 100%. We're not going to watch more news and we read more Bible. We give our minds back to you, back to you, back to you, back to you, back to you. We give our hands mm, back to you. We've been doing everything else but serving you like we can. We've been doing everything else with our hands but serving you like we can. We give you our hands again. You are priority number one. We give you our feet we walk to concerts and we walk to other in venues and other places where people gather, but we won't let our feet walk back into the house of God. We give you our feet again. Option number one will be worshiping you in your house. I'm going to do everything in my power, God, to, to, to come back to church. I'm going to do everything I can. But watch this. You don't realize you've already done everything you can except use your faith. You got gas in the car, you got, you got oil in it, you got the key, you got good tires. All you need now is faith to make God option one again. Watch what he does for you when you make him option number one. If you're not saved, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead. If you're not saved, you got to make him option one. Please don't be deceived. The young president of Ukraine said weeks ago, oh, they're not going to invade. Oh, come on, you Americans, you're hyping this thing up. This man is spending millions of dollars to bring troops to surround you, and you're saying nothing's going to happen. And now, weeks after that, you're saying America don't love us if you don't declare no fly zone. There were military experts that said, Putin's not going to do anything. Military experts. But I can read my Bible. And I can read in Romans, excuse me, in Matthew 24. Jesus said, there's be wars and rumors of wars. Famines, pestilences, plagues. Then I can read my Bible in... First Kings, where there was no war between King Israel and Syria for three years. And the king of Israel says to the king of Judah, you know what? Syria got some land that they took from us that belongs to us. 
Let's go get it. Do you hear what I said? Hear the prophet. Hear the man of God. Had been a war for three years. Doesn't look like it's going to be a war. But all of a sudden, the leader says, hmm, I ain't got enough land. That land is ours. Fast forward. King of Judah, Jehoshaphat, I believe it was, says, hey, man, your people, my people, my horses, your horses. I, I fight with you only let's inquire of the Lord. The king of Israel gets 400 prophets and they jumping and shouting and go forth and go forth. And Jehoshaphat said, that's good, that's good. I need to hear somebody that know God's voice. And so because God had a plan, he said, I tell you what, I'm going to send a lion spirit down to trick them to go into war. All these people saying Putin is not going to do this. God will send a spirit into Putin. To do what doesn't look like it makes sense to army generals and strategists. Because God's got a bigger plan. And we need to make God number one so we know what his plan is. And we're not running around here in confusion, fighting each other over whether you come to church with a mask or not on. Father, in the name of Jesus, if you want to be saved, I want to make God priority one. Option one, I want him to talk to me. I need him to speak to me. I need him to save me and then fill me with his spirit. I need to hear from him so I know exactly what's going on. So I'm not deceived by all the people that say this one day and something else the next day. So Father, today, save, heal, deliver. Set your people free. Fill us again with your precious Holy Spirit so that we know how to walk in the Spirit and not be fooled by the desires of the flesh, whether they come from someone else or from within ourselves. God, we cannot, we're not, we can't afford to make mistakes. We don't have months and years to recover anymore. We can't misstep like we used to. We got to get serious about you and what you have designed for our lives. So we thank you today. We expect what you say to happen in our lives. So we have to know what you've said for us to expect. We have to do what you told us we should do in the last days, not what we feel and what other people are saying. We have to know what you expect us to be, how you expect us to behave, in these last days. I thank you, Father, that we're coming out of our emotion, we're coming out of our feelings, and we're walking in the Spirit so we can accomplish your divine will. In the name of Jesus. In the name, in the name, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We've got two more things to do. Got two more things to do, and we're going to do it. We're going to do um, Holy Communion. If you need, a, need to be served, raise your hand, and, and you'll be served. <clears throat> While you're doing that, I want to share something with you from my heart. Share something from my heart. Okay. We're celebrating 25 years of ministry in May. 25 years. This is a big, 25 is big. It's, it's a landmark year, time, moment. Of 
course, you know, there are a few others, I believe. Yeah, there are a few handful of other people, but by the grace of God, I've been here the whole time. And, and, I, and, I, and I say that, again, by the grace of God, because I've experienced the ups, the downs, the highs, the lows, the celebrations, the attacks. I've, I've, I've gone through all of it. And so it really hit my heart after coming through this pandemic and then being personally attacked by COVID and God bringing me out to really celebrate what God is doing because we need to celebrate what God is doing. And Pastor and I have been used over the years to, to celebrate many other churches' anniversaries. And there are things that we've said there that we've never said, taught, preached here, because I always felt like it would be self-serving. But God says, son, you, you earned the right to say some stuff. So I'm going to use the scriptures when we get to that time to explain what this is all about. But before we get there, I want your hearts to begin to think in this wise. Initially, I thought, you know what? Ask every member to give $250 for 25. And I started praying and I was like, God, you know what? The economy and this and that. I said, I don't know if, you know, so 125 came to my heart. So I'm going to ask every member, not every household, every member to give $125 for our church anniversary in May. Now from this Sunday, from this particular Sunday till then is 11 weekends, 11 weeks. If you were to start today, you could give a little over $11 over your tithe and offering. And by then you would have given your $125. But now watch this, some of you can give 250. Some of you need to give based on your heart, based on how much you know God has blessed you through this ministry. Some of you don't know because you haven't been here the duration. I don't even, I'm going to have to ask the staff, I ask them to look into it. I, I can't remember the last time I asked the church to give anything like that on a church anniversary. Does anybody remember that? Anybody? I don't remember. And others have, churches have done it for years and, and, and that's good. But we have not been that type of church. But today, in this season, in this hour, I'm compelled to ask you to do that, to give $125, either gradually or on that day, above and beyond your tithe, to support this ministry that's been a support and a blessing to so many people for 25 years. See, because when you support this ministry, you're supporting yourself and you're supporting this community and you're supporting people around the world that this ministry has supported consistently for 25 years. We have not stopped giving to Africa, Mexico, South America, around never Asia. We have not stopped doing any of those things the, during the pandemic. Because you support your ministry. Because you support your church. You are a blessing. Look at someone and tell them you need to know you're a blessing. You are. You are. And, and I'm going to say this and then we're going to go into communion. You know, and there'll be more said about uh, this particular group and others 
as we approach the, the, the church anniversary. But I'm going to say this now so it could be more real to you. And again, I'm not, I'm not throwing off on anybody else. So don't get, because you don't know how, I know how I work. The devil said, oh, he meant you. He was, he was really cold, as cold as you, as cold as you. No. I mean who I'm talking about. I want, and I know everybody that's not here that could be here, I know still somebody watching, but I'm going to say this. This is from my heart. I want to thank everyone that volunteered and sacrificed to come here during the pandemic to make sure people watching can get the word. I thank God for everybody that works sound, video, that sings on Sunday. I thank God that they weren't too scared to come here to release thousands and thousands and thousands of people have been blessed because you are willing to stand behind a camera. You were willing beginning. You were willing to stand behind your instrument. You were willing to sing. You were willing to be in the sound booth. Thank God, ushers. I, we thank God for you. Well, thank you for joining us. I also want to thank you in advance for clicking on the link to support our ministry. Your giving is what moves ministry forward and ministry must move forward. You can also visit us online at cffczion.org for more information. If you were blessed by this word, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. God bless you.